Have hobby shops lost their purpose and should small shops close? There's some people online who think so. We'll tell you what we think next on Cards on the Table. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table, our fast-paced talk show where we debate important topics from around the world of sports cards. We got some good ones today. Teapot, are you ready? I am ready. Doug, are you ready? Born ready. And we're going to jump right in. I'm going to save my Kentucky jokes for later because I want to get right into the first topic today, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good one. There was quite the debate that has taken place on social media over the last week about the role of sports card shops in the hobby. And of the older stores, the ones that, you know, have all the beautiful wax for many years, but maybe they're maybe they're collecting a little dust and, and the designs may be a little outdated. Smaller shops, do they serve any purpose? Do they need to go away? There's at least one person out there with a loud voice who is saying that was the case. And there were point there, people were pointing towards the sneaker industry where there's some very beautiful, you know, high-end premier sneaker shops. And there was the assertion made that sports card shops had to transform into that in order for the hobby to progress forward. But what do we think? Because those types of older sports card stores are what many of us grew up on, what many of us are used to going to, and and what I went to for many years. I worked at one of them as a kid. I worked at one of those stores as a kid. But times are changing. Fanatics is coming in. The expectations of what a sports card shop should look like and should be like maybe changing along with it. Doug, is it out with the old and in with the new, or where are you on this topic? Yeah, so uh, no offense to whoever the originator of this idea was, but I hate it. Um, I love hobby shops. Big hobby shops, small hobby shops, little city, big city, dusty and old, shiny and new, it doesn't matter. Um, They have a very important place in the hobby to me personally. Now, there are some things that you can easily buy online. You can buy wax online very easily. Wax is wax. I go to MidwestCards.com, also a hobby shop, by the way. But when you want to actually see cards in hand, there's no better way to do that than to experience that in person. So you might be asking then, well, why not a shiny new store as opposed to the dirty old ones? Well, these shops have been around forever that have stood the test of time. You can find great stuff there. You can find these old boxes of wax that have been around for decades. You can find cards in the dollar bin that you might not see any anywhere else. And when you say, you know, replicate the sneaker sneaker industry, when I think about that, is there anything positive that comes to your mind when you're like the sneaker sneaker industry? To me it's it's there's just a kind of a weird negative connotation to that sort of industry and I don't want to follow that plan at all if I can avoid it. Now Again, you know, new shiny stores, lots of great technology, beautiful displays. There's a place for that too, but there's just as much place for the old ones to me. I mean, this is where you're going to make relationships with people in the hobby locally and, you know, participate in trade nights and things of that nature. Hobby hobby shops are extremely important. I'm going to push back on the sneaker industry reference though a little bit because they do get certain things right. They get marketing rights. I mean, your big sneaker companies are some of the best marketers in the world. And some of those sneaker shops that I that I, I know are, you know were are, were being thought of when these comments were made, they're cool. You walk into one of those shops and you're walking into a palace of sneakers. It's a cool feel. And I gotta say, there aren't many sports card shops that feel that way. Is that a problem from your perspective, Teapot? I think that the the local hobby shop should be representative of the local culture. 
of the local dynamic, a person from the community who runs the shop. You go to a small town USA, you're gonna have small town restaurant, small town dentist, doctor, bank, accountant, all of those types of things. The hobby shop is gonna be, or should be exactly the same type of dynamic. It's a place where you can go and hang out. It's a place where, like Doug said, you can find unique things. I'm not opposed to big retail, shiny boutique, you know, uh, storefronts, but those make sense in Manhattan or in South Beach. They don't make sense in small town USA. Those shops are really, really, really important. I think they have a place, uh, you know, kind of in the industry. Now, I will say, I've definitely been into hobby shops that left a bad taste in my mouth, where the worst case is the shop owner is just not friendly, or it's disorganized, or everything's way overpriced, or priced from two years ago, or not, not priced at all, or just you can't find anything that's meaningful. We've all had that experience if you've been into enough shops. You know what I do in those cases, Jeff? I just don't go back. Right. I let my dollars vote. I'm not going to bring dollars into a shop that's really poorly run and is, has a negative energy about it. If these shops are sticking around, free market, they must be doing something right, unless they're just hanging out and floating from you know, past, past revenue or something. But I just think that's how it plays out. And you know, I don't think anybody who's like potentially thinking about getting involved in the sports card industry, maybe who's coming from the sneaker world or who has a higher profile is gonna care one way or the other about that small town USA hobby shop. So that's kind of my take on it. I will say, I think there's gonna be a big paradigm shift. Overall, the margins from wholesale to markup, secondary value, then these shops for wax and things, those may change. That was addressed in some of those comments. Um, and I, I like the idea of the big, beautiful boutique stores in those places, in those locales where it makes a lot of sense. But get rid of the hobby shops? No, I mean, that's a horrible, horrible thing. The most important thing to me when it comes to a hobby shop is customer experience. Yeah. I want to be able to walk into a hobby shop and I, and I don't want it to just be transactional where I walk in and the shop is tight. I, I you know, buy something and I leave. I want it to be more of an experience that I can linger in. I, I think that hobby shops, especially since, as you said, the, the dynamics are going to be changing with you know, the markup that they're going to be able to take on products, maybe not as great with fanatics getting involved. So how do you, how do you, you know, recreate your, your business based upon that? One way that you do it is you create a much better customer experience. Trade zones, uh, make it a sports bar feel. Get yeah. people in there, make them let them watch the games. And that's different than normal retail advice because normal retail advice is get people in, get people out, do quick transi tr transactions. If you got the person who comes in and hunkers down at Starbucks all day long, they're taking up a table from a customer. But the difference here is that, as we all know, with the sports card hobby, if, if you're hanging out all day in a sports card shop, there is no way that you're not buying, buying some wax, buying a little more wax, ripping a pack or two, buying a car. You're just going to be buying all day long while you're there. I think people, the sports card shops need to get those people in. It's all about the environment to me. So if the environment's good, I don't care where the shop's located. I don't even care as much what it looks like as long as it's clean. Just give me a good community and a good environment around the card shop. That is the way that card shops, in my opinion, need to evolve and improve. Good points. All right, let's go to our second topic today. This is our data dive topic. This relates to the video you did. You took your Market Movers video this last weekend in a little bit of a different direction. Yep. You really wanted to focus in on cards of one particular player. You chose Kobe and, and showed off a, a, you know many of his top cards. Yep. And, and it's interesting because the Kobe market has been beat up some this year, right? I think it's down like 40%. Yeah, like, his you know, cards are down, yeah. They're down, you know, but it's not just Kobe. All of your goats are down, right? You got LeBron, LeBron's cards down. You got Jordan's cards down. You got Mike, Mike Trout's cards down. We, 
we filled our cards on the table this week with goats. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle. We even, we even have a soccer. We, we have Zidane here, who I understand is, is one of our goats in the world of soccer. Zidane is a goat. But Zidane. Zidane. You see, I'm learning something new every day, ladies and gentlemen. I've now learned that Zidane is a, is a goat in the world of soccer. So... Uh, if he doesn't play for the U.S. men's national team, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning the rosters here as we go. Uh, but by the way, shout out to stand-up displays. Look at it. Can you see this Mike Trout one? Can you see that one? Look at the stand. That stand-up displays new line of player stands. Cool. Isn't that crazy? Cool. Yeah. So they now have jersey stands for all these different players, standupdisplays.co. But I digress. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is, uh, is are, are these cards, these cards of the GOATs, and what opportunity maybe exists right now in the market. Yeah. So take us through this. Dan. Yeah, I wanted to have a little bit more fun. I always like an excuse to talk about cards from 96, 97, 98, Kobe cards. He's got a lot of great ones. We have many of those cards in Market Movers because he's one of the all-time greats. So I kind of built out and showed here how you can save cards to your favorites, card favorites, and sort of look at them and sort of just scroll through and get a really good picture of these types of cards. Um, so it's, it's a great way to, again, use that gallery view in Market Movers to look at these. And, you know, in terms of buying opportunity, I'm looking at uh, cards that have kind of leveled off now from where they were two years ago, yeah. right? And if I go back to December of 2020, I'm looking at this card at $504. You know, re most recently this card sold for $700. Okay, that's a boost, but you see this fluctuation too. This is this PSA 9 Ultra Rising Star. It's a pretty low pop card, pop 88. Uh, specifically with Kobe's, because I like to have more of them. I gear toward the eights and the nines on specific ones, just because they're more affordable. Um, but I think there's opportunities. If you, especially if you really like one of these guys as a PC, mm. cards that you maybe couldn't get when you were a kid that you want to go after now. Or certainly, I think when looking long term for you know who do you want to hold, the best players of all time are going to be the ones that you can, I guess, feel the most confident about buying. Uh, especially in a down market, not at their high point. Yeah, and, and a lot of his cards, I mean, that one actually, uh, it, it's certainly down some. You can see the spike there on the graph of market movers, but some of his cards are, are down all the way to like pre-pandemic or yes. right around the start of the pandemic pricing. Yep. It's, yep. Pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And if you really zoom out and, and look at a trend line of the sports card market over like three or five years and you take the big spike that oh. happened out, you're at a point now where the line looks pretty good in terms of some buy opportunities on a lot of these guys. What do you think, Doug, in terms of all-time all -time great card investing right now? Yeah, so you can go, honestly, you can go either way, with, either way with this. Yes, it can be a great time to buy, or no, maybe it's still not good enough for you, because to me, it's not necessarily about the individual player, it's about the specific cards that you want. So you can tell me that Kobe's market is down 40%, but 40% down on a you know, a Chrome, a Topps Chrome rookie gym might not be enough for me to enter that market, sure. but it might be on the paper version, right? So it's the specific card. So for me, I think what's important is have a plan like with anything else. Be sure you know exactly which cards that you want to go after. I use price alerts and market movers. I set up the price that I know I want to buy a card at and I get alerted when it drops to that, to that number. And I'm comfortable with that purchase at that point because I've already predetermined this is where I'm entering, you know, this particular market at. So, you know, to me, it's not, again, it's not about where's Kobe, where is Kobe's market, where is LeBron's market, what cards do I want, and what are they doing right now? So to Teapot's point, when you kind of see that plateau, that's more interesting to me than, you know, watching the rise and the falls. When I start to see it level out, then I feel like it's a little bit more stable, and that's kind of where I want to get in at more often than not. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really good advice. I mean, from my perspective, if we're looking at the long term, 
buying those GOAT cards, it's your safest buy, right? I mean, there's, you know, and, and there's, there's still a lot of economic uncertainty in the year ahead. What we don't know is that even though Kobe's down 40% this year, we don't know if he's going to be down another 40% next year. It's possible. It's possible that could happen if you've got, you know, if the if all of a sudden you got widespread, you know, layoffs and you know the housing market drops 50%. Who, who knows what could happen? It's also possible that that may not happen and that we may look back five or ten years from now and we may look at this period of time as the absolute best possible time to ever be buying sports cards. Maybe we're sitting within that right now. We don't even know. But what I do know is, regardless of what happens in the next six months, in the next 12 months, if I zoom out and if I look at where I believe the sports car market's gonna be five or 10 years from now, I feel very strongly that that graph of Kobe, if you look at it at five, graph five, 10 years in the future, it's gonna be back up again, and it's gonna be back up significantly. And that gives me confidence in buying these types of GOAT cards. And um, as you said, Doug, like buy what you like, buy what you love, buy the particular cards you want. I thought the Kobe example you were going for, I thought where you were going with that was, you might not wanna buy a, a Topps Chrome just simply because you know you may not want to buy the standard everyday card. Maybe sure. you want to buy something more unusual. Maybe you want to get into one of these other sets. And that's the alternative. When yeah. you have that opportunity, great. You made a pretty big LeBron purchase recently. Uh, and you know, again, noting that the LeBron market is down, but that's an all-time card yeah. that you've added to your collection. So the opportunity's there. Yeah, the opportunity's there. And and you can sometimes find some of those kind of different variations, different, you know, different inserts, different sets that people may not yeah. even be aware of. Again, the gallery view and market movers. Great way to do it. Sports Card Investor app, great way to do it as well, where you can scroll through and look at a player's cards and just see, you know, literally thousands of a, of a player's different cards in these products. So, all right, guys, we got more topics to discuss. Quick break. We'll be right back. Tired of displaying your cards with rat traps? Medical bills shouldn't stop you from showing off your favorite cards. Sometimes you just want to enjoy a nice evening outside without worrying about your collection falling into a flaming inferno. Hey! Don't you hate it when you're polishing off your cereal bowl and your card falls in the garbage disposal? You reach down to get it and... Ah! Oh no! You lose your hand! Ah! Introducing Stand-Up Displays. No more messy cleanup while doing your dishes. Say goodbye to snapping fingies and rat traps and say hello to stand-up displays. No more awkward doctor visits. You can finally sit outside making memories without worrying about that pesky campfire roasting your cards. Go to StandUpDisplays.co for 25% off your entire order. Again, StandUpDisplays.co, 25% off. Does not include custom stands. Limited time offer. This special does not include custom stands. You must be one year old or older to display your collection. A few sports cards were torched in the production of this ad. Rat traps, scarps, disposals, and fires will in fact damage your cards. Stand-up displays are cool. Doug, you're a pretty good actor. Thank you. Yeah. You, you, act, you, act, you act a lot better in these commercials than your, yeah, your totally. Kentucky boys do acting, playing basketball. All right. You could, you could have just given me the compliment. We could have moved on. Now I'm in a bad mood. Hey, shout out to Stand Up Displays. I mentioned them earlier with that stand, standupdisplays.co. They got awesome products. Give them a shot. All right, guys, we're getting into the mailbag section of the show. These are questions suggested by you in the YouTube comments. Both of these questions came from viewers from our last couple of shows. The first question, college versus pro jerseys on cards. Is there a case to be made for college jerseys being investable there's so many nice college products, Doug. There's College National Treasures, College, college Flawless that comes out. Um, of course, you got even like Prism Draft Picks. They're all so much less expensive to buy. Is there any case to be made for investing in these, though? Yes. 
So historically, we've we've had similar types of conversations about this, and it's always pretty obviously been no, they're not good investments. The pro jerseys are what matters. People quickly forget about the college jerseys. They're out of sight, out of mind. But right now, there's kind of a unique opportunity where we have these gaps in our product cycles, right? So 2021 Bowman University is a really great example of that. You can go and you can get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, uh, you know, these first round quarterbacks that we won't see in a pro jersey for another year or so, maybe longer than that. There's opportunity right now because the gap is so large, people are going to get tired of waiting for that pro uniform and they want to get those cards now that, you know, Bryce Young autographs do several hundred dollars, uh, you know, in Jim Mint 10s out of that Bowman University product. So there actually is an opportunity right now. I still don't recommend it, um, you know, for me, the whole college jersey thing is just about collecting. It's still a low entry point. You can still go after your favorite team and your favorite players at a low entry point. And for someone like myself who cares more about college athletics than I do pro athletics, it's going to mean more to me from a collection standpoint. So I'm still going to lean that way, but there are opportunities right now, maybe for the first time in you know college collecting. You know, it's interesting you say that because I remember earlier this football season when Malik Willis got this start for the Titans when he came in when Tannehill was injured and people are excited about him. And there were very few products out with him in it yet yeah. that his Bowman University stuff had, you know, all of a sudden went crazy. Yeah, something's something's got to give there, right? So, you know, he, at that time, he probably had an XRC or a gold standard, yeah. maybe. But, you know, even looking ahead to these other guys I'm talking about, you can invest, invest in them while they're still playing in college. We've yeah. got bowl games coming up for Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and many others, of course, and their cards are doing numbers right now. Is this a new market, Teapot, or is this nonsense? Well, I think Doug's making some really good points, honestly. I mean, I, I hadn't quite thought of it that way. That makes a lot of sense. My thought generally around this is, College tends to be more about um, a lot of different colleges and universities and diehard fans of those places, but there's just so many that the fans are spread out. Now, obviously, there's enough for like football to pack 90, 100, 115,000 people into a stadium every week. Uh, so if you think about like print runs on the more high-end cards, that does kind of make you go, oh, maybe like a number to 10 card of a Bryce Young would be really valuable for that huge Alabama football fan base. I think there's some truth to that. In general, I think I'd be leaning more toward the like flawless type products, the ones with the patches, game-worn patches, autographs, things like that, uh, even for the long term. But ultimately, I think those pieces end up just being about collector pieces. That means they can hold some value in the, in the you know long term, but I just think they're overdoing it on a lot of the draft products that come out after the pro season start and that stuff just dies really, really quickly. That stuff I don't have as much interest on, except for like Michigan State and Notre Dame guys that I might like. You know, I've, I've got the, I've got a college go card. Got Albert the Alligator. Albert the Alligator card, Doug. Sounds amazing. It's amazing, it's an amazing card. One of the pride, pride and joys of my collection. Amazing. All right, let's go to our second mailbag topic. And this one is around off-season impact for Major League Baseball and soccer. So right now we're in the off-season for both. You've obviously got the World Cup going on, but you don't have the leagues going on right now in soccer. So you're in a rest from the league period. Of course, we know Major League Baseball is heavy in the off-season right now. Deals are getting done. Judges signing for unbelievable amounts of money. You got big-name guys like Verlander switching teams. That's, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Trey Turner switching teams. Lots of movement happening. DeGrom's switching teams as well. Um, what does this opportunity present right now, Teapot? Is this the time to be getting in on those sports? Are there any players you have your eyes on specifically? Tell me about the offseason for these sports. Well, we just got juked out on Aaron Judge momentarily with the premature announcement that he was going to the Giants only to find out that wasn't true. Uh, so he's staying with the Yankees. 
to me, in terms of like immediate reaction, card value impact, that's the biggest one. I think Judge staying with the Yankees, first of all, it's the Yankees. So he's not going to the Giants or the Padres, which, you know, they're not slouch teams, but they're not the Yankees. And now his rookie cards are still in the same jersey as the team he's going to be with for the foreseeable future, barring a trade or something like that. So that's huge for Judge News. I think that he, he becomes another icon, potentially, if he keeps playing well into his old age. Uh, Trey Turner, I think, is the biggest signing, maybe even bigger than Judge, uh, in terms of impact, moving from the Dodgers, who are obviously no slouch in their own right, to the Phillies. I don't know if that moves the needle on his card price as much, but man, that Philly lineup is going to be ridiculous next year now, adding him into the leadoff or two spot. Uh, other guys, DeGrom, going to the black hole that is the Rangers. They're not going to win. He's going to be, I don't know, forgotten about or just in Nolan Ryan's shadow or something. Uh, Verlander being replaced then up to the Mets. He's 39. He'll be 40 in February. How long can he keep playing? We're seeing age catch up with Tom Brady now. You got to wonder about that contract. So in general, I don't know if a lot of these are going to move the needle on their prices. From a soccer perspective, the one guy I'm keeping an eye on is Jude Bellingham. And Jude has been rumored to go to Real Madrid. Now people are saying his family wants him to go to Liverpool, but he's played really well uh, in, for, for Borussia Dortmund. Um, he's kind of rated transfer market, has him as the top player in the, the Bundesliga right now. So um, that's a guy I'm keeping an eye on for soccer prices. And that could move the needle, him moving from Dortmund over to the Premier League or even to the La Liga. I know you follow the soccer offseason, Doug. Anything that has your eye right now in soccer or MLB? Definitely Jude, for, for sure. Jude Bellingham will be the biggest splash probably in this transfer market. Uh, wherever he goes, there's going to be a lot of fanfare around that. Um, I'm, you know, we've got some other little things happening, like Ronaldo going to Saudi Arabia for $200 million a year, or is Messi going to end up in the MLS at Miami in a year or so? But when you get out of that picture and you start looking into the prospecting a little bit, a lot of the guys that have been sort of like hot rookie names in the past year, two years, three years, those are guys that could be on the move now. We talked about Jude Bellingham, of course. Uh, there's a guy that's doing really well in World Cup right now, Cody Gakpo for the Netherlands, uh, is rumored to go to Manchester United, potentially taking over for Ronaldo there. And occupying that spot. I'm watching our Americans. Christian Pulisic never gets to play at Chelsea. Could he go back to Bundesliga and go to Bayern? Yunus Musa, one of our young uh, midfielders, could be making a splash at Chelsea or something along those lines. Uh, there's a few other names to look at as well. It's going to be a really big transfer window for soccer, I think. It's going to be big. And, and now is, to answer the original question, is now the time to buy on some of these guys. Absolutely, yes. Especially for baseball, This, you know, if you look back historically, once you get past January 1st, and you're starting to inch towards spring training, you start to see prices typically start to rise. So this, this is kind of your window right now, I think, with some of these MLB guys. That's so. actually my video this upcoming Saturday for Data Dive. There so you go. We'll talk about that. There you go. You can check out Data Dive on the Market Movers YouTube channel. Teapot's putting out great content every week on that channel. And go check out stand-up displays. Only, do you know how much that Mike Trout stand cost? I do not. Only, they're only $14. Sweet. Like at $14.99, you get your own player stand. He's got a whole bunch of them up there. Standupdisplays.co. Check those out. Guys, hope you enjoyed the video. If you did like, subscribe. And see you soon with the next one. Take care.